stories. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Our guest today is Elliot. Elliot has been doing storytelling for about four years now in the Chicago area. Their work often focuses around their experiences with Jewish, queer, and nerdy identities. They have been on a few podcasts, including Scout and Birdie and Am I Man Enough? They are asexual, but not aromatic, AFAB, and their gender is somewhere in the blobby transmasculine area. They have identified as asexual since high school. When they figured out that being lesbian required being attracted to women, not just being unattracted to men. You'd think that'd be obvious, but here we are. They started piecing together the trans thing about three years ago when they were 27, partially due to exploring their identity through storytelling and transitioning when they were 28. Their other hobbies include cosplay and the occasional piece of fan fiction. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Elliot, for being here. Yes, Thank you for having welcome. me. <laughs> All right. So we always start with this question. So I'm going to throw this out here for you. So what identities do you feel most influence your experiences? Jewish, nerdy, um, asexual, I think. The trans thing, like, literally only, like, I figured that out, like, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Through the nerdy and the storytelling, actually. I noticed, I'm like, why do I like dressing up as, like, specifically male characters so much? It's not like I like suits or pants or whatever. It's, like, specifically male. And then, hmm. And then I started pulling that thread a whole lot. So, yeah. Also, just random nerdy shit, just because I think that's how I express myself, being a giant nerd. What kind of nerdy shit are you into? Oh, God. Some, like, a lot of the, like, creative aspects of fan culture. So, like, cosplay, fan fiction random fan theories about who's hooking up with who i've started doing cross stitch now what's cross stitch needlepoint needlework oh okay yeah so doing like nerdy crafting and that kind of thing what kind of designs do you do i've got one in my bag but i can't show it to you because it's a podcast oh. <laughs> <laughs> right you could describe it yeah because i know some people do like it's queer so it counts ones or oh, do true. like ones with funny sayings on them or so it says, uh, I can resist everything except temptation, and it's got a sword on it and a half-done bird. Very it's an Oscar Wilde quote. That. I asked my friend, what do you want? It's like, I like Oscar Wilde and swords. I'm like, okay. Nice. So here you go, Oscar Wilde and swords. Love it. How long did it take you to make that? Uh, that? A mm, couple hours, maybe. Maybe a little less. Wow. I do it a lot on the bus. It's good for fidgeting. Mm. But Yeah, I like in- interpretations of media in very nerdy ways. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of cosplay do you do? Um, a lot of suits. I do like suits. A lot of super villains. A lot of bad guys. I love dressing up as the bad guys because they're just so much more fun. They're so much more expressive, and they're nice. just really—they're just here to have a good time and break shit. <laughs> and like, nice. I can respect that. Um, and they also have a lot more confidence than I usually do, and it's nice to pretend to be people with confidence. I take on that other persona. Yeah. And... Exactly. Awesome. That was exactly it. I was just like, why do I like swaggering around so much in a suit? Oh wait. Swaggering around. I have so many more questions about like nerdy shit because I want to like we talked about this before the podcast started and I want to like, keep talking about it because we mentioned Gravity Falls and Steven Universe and I want to ask you about if you watch Adventure Time. Do you watch Adventure Time? Uh, I've watched bits of Adventure Time. Okay. Yeah, like I liked what I watched. I just haven't gotten into it in like the binging sense. I'm like currently on uh, My Hero Academia right now, okay. which is a superhero anime with some interesting metaphors about invisible disability. Do you also like anime? No. Whoa. <laughs> I know, it's weird. Oh, okay. I actually do not like Adam oh, at wow. all, so I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here, or why I'm in this handbasket. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it has, 
I did not expect interesting metaphors about ableism in society and invisible disability. I'm also disabled. I have uh, chronic pain in, uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, this anime about children at a high school for superheroes is somehow speaking to me. Sure, why not? Cool. Anime does that sometimes. It does that. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're holding so many questions. Like, I feel like I want to... I like... don't want to do it now. <laughs> I want to wait until you tell your story before I like unleash my flood of questions. I have like, no idea what the story is about. I just, look, I already, I'm already excited. I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that we relate on many different facets of your identity, and I'm really excited to see you, or hear you explain a lot more. So I mean, ask away. I like talking. Well, I'm curious, how did you, I like the part in your bio where you talk about, like, how you came to realize your asexual identity and, like, not having a lesbian identity. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? I didn't know that was a thing until I hit the internet, and I was like, wait, there's another, like, there's another option? More options out there. Because I was just like, okay, well, I know which identity is not attracted to men, so we're going to go with the lesbian. I just figured, like, the attracted to women part would, like, come later. And, like, to be fair, like, men in high school are the worst, so. Big facts. I was just like, why would you want to date that? I did I did date a guy very, very, very briefly. He had a human finger bone that he carried around in his pocket, and that's what? why I asked him out. What? I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't really explain a lot of my logic in high in school. In high school? This is a high school? Yeah. Human around well, here's the, the catch, though. Like, I dated him for, like, a couple of months just because I figured I needed to be dating somebody. Okay. We went caving. That was our one date, is we went caving with his friends. Cool. The caving was fine. He was an incredibly boring man. <laughs> Minus the fingerbone. Yeah. Well, then, and yeah. Then I broke up with him, and then he dated one of my female friends. Then he dated Ben Kershaw. Then he came out as gay and moved to California. <laughs> so we both kind of like dodged a bullet on that yeah, one. Nice. Yeah. Interesting trajectory. Did he tell you the story of the fingerbone? I, you know what? I don't remember. I actually That's do not remember so why intriguing. he had a fingerbone. I think it was, yeah, I, I don't remember why he had it. I think he bought it somewhere. Like, I don't think he, like. You can buy? Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. not legally, but you can do it. Well, yeah, you can buy, like, human skulls. You can go, like... There's, legally? Like, yeah, there's, like, a... When I was in California, there's, like, this oddities shop that has, like, a bunch of artists who, like, do taxidermy and everything. And there's, like, a little case that has, like, actual human, like, bones. I'm assuming it's from, like, um like medical students who had, mm. like, you know, bodies they were doing, like, um, autopsies on for, like, medical huh. reasons, and they didn't need them anymore, and I'm assuming that's where you would get them. Otherwise... Or at least can... hoping that's yeah, hoping. yeah, I've heard there's, like, a lot of legislation around, like, what you, like, the buying and selling of human remains. Yeah. Especially... In, this like, took such an interesting turn in conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I did collect animal bones for a while, so... They are cool. It was, yeah. The fact that, like, this was his main selling point and that's why I went out with him says something about kind of, like, the quality of people at my high school and how good I was at socializing. <laughs> that I was just like, uh, fuck it, you're single. This is fine. Where are I'll you from? You. Where did you go to high school? Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Okay. It's, uh, and my story, actually, I mentioned them. It's, okay. I'm from Tennessee originally. It's like the third largest, it's next door to the third largest city in the state, and it's just, there's nothing there. Yeah. So there's a lot of people, but nothing there. Slim choices. Yeah, especially when you're like queer and figuring out the queer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So what was it like when you like Googled on the internet and you saw this thing called asexual? I was like, oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. So then I went with that. Nice. And then I like dated, but yeah, it... You mentioned like asexual but not aromantic. So I do date or mm-hmm. want to date. Mm-hmm. Dating is hard when you're like not willing to, you know, 
Like, flirting is really fun, but I feel like it would be rude to flirt and then be like, sorry, actually, celibacy. Um, so, well, like, not really, because asexual isn't really celibacy. I mean, it's, well, for, the, for my partner, it would be. What do you mean? It would be like, you know, hey, you're cute, you want to grab a drink and never have sex ever. Well, like, okay. it's a hard, it's a hard <laughs> sell for about 99% of the population. Well, I mean, like, it depends on what type of, like, asexual you are. You can be asexual and, like, enjoy sex. Yes, but unfortunately, I am not. Oh, okay. Well, that's <laughs> that is, That's the problem. <laughs> if I could just be like, you know what, we'll just, like, deal with this shit, mm-hmm. like, and move on, that would probably be much more efficient. But it's not. So it's like... It's like makes, putting the disclaimer Yeah, right I've done Tinder for a while. By that was way. weird. Do you put on your Tinder that you're sexual? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm really surprised. I think I got more dates than like my like some of the people I know. Uh, <laughs> I think because I actually message people. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, oh, hi, I'm going to actually talk to you instead of just stare lingeringly at your picture and yeah. I never say anything again. Yeah, so I've gotten a lot of very good first dates. Nice. I have not gotten a lot of second Aw. <laughs> It'll come so, for sure. Well, yeah, we're, we're working through that. For sure. When you put it in your yeah. bio, do people ask you, like, what does that mean? What is this? No. You think they would? Yeah, I would think so, too. It's also, it's an option <laughs> on OkCupid in, like, the sexuality dropdowns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I'm, like, I want to search, like, only for people who are, like, looking for asexuals. Like, I just get a lot of people who I think just marked every option there to, like, mm-hmm. maximize their dating pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, very frustrating. You would think online dating would make it easier to, like, narrow down to who's suitable. Right. But people are bad at dating online. Yeah. So it's usually and, like a hit or miss. Yeah, yeah. And you like would I, think more people would ask, especially because asexual is such a term that like people could express that in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's probably good to ask questions and be like, okay, well, how do you experience your asexuality? Because they can't just assume. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a combination of like people who think they know. Mm-hmm. And then people who don't know but don't care. Yes. Yep. Where it's like, we're just not really paying attention yeah. to that sort of thing. Or we think, okay, that's just some weird thing you are. I'm going to like assume it's not relevant to me until it has to be kind of thing. Yeah. But again, like I do know people who are asexual and are in like, successful like relationships. I'm just not one of those people yet. So if any of your listeners are single, wait, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to pick up people on the podcast. Maybe. You never know. People you know, make connections in all kinds yeah. of places. My Very number true. is 555. <laughs> hey, we will be I mean, I got like a like, couple. I, got, I met multiple people on Tinder, so that's something. Yeah. Tinder is weird. Like every other word is like code word for like no strings attached sex, but it's like yeah. under this veil of like not being. So I'm like, why are so many people wanting me to show them around town? If you're only going to be in town for a few days. Why would you bother with Tinder? Oh, oh sex, <laughs> right. Oh, okay, yeah. It. There was a lot yeah. of that going on. And yet they still swipe on you even though you're a profile. Scientist. I think they weren't really looking at the words. <laughs> They're just looking probably the at the first picture. Like, okay. like yeah. yeah, sure. Like, what? what? Mm-hmm. What's that mean? At least got attention. Like, half my pictures were cosplay. Because oh, I was like, nice. you guys need to know what you're getting into. <laughs> That's real? Yeah. I'm an artiste. Who I've got one of um, my my front phone for a while was me as the the Joker, but it um it's the a, ver- a version of the one that's from the Lego Batman movie, which is mm. I don't know if you, either of you have seen Lego Batman, mm-hmm. but the entire movie is Joker's nemesis hood with Batman is a is code for being his boyfriend, Aww. and really? the entire movie is them working out their relationship. No way! I'm not. This is not me. Extrap- this is in the text. Spoilers! Spoilers! Yeah, spoilers. this is not spoilers either. This is like back of the box. It kind of makes me want to watch it. Actually, it's yeah. really good. It's super good. I have a lot of feelings about it. 
but I'm holding up the sign that's basically like a Craigslist ad for like a like a monogamous nemesis relationship. Aww. Sidekicks okay, no guns. That's so cute. <laughs> Great sense of humor. That's so Thing. cute. That's kind of adorable. I was yeah, kind of afraid. I have, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well. I know you want to hear the Look, story. Let's. Just I really want to. You want to just stick to the story <laughs> and then go from there. All right, so we would love to hear your story. Please share. Yeah, you're going to share with us today. So I'm in the weird position of being an extrovert nerd. So I didn't really get the hang of the whole making friends thing until a few years ago. Even though I'm basically a golden retriever of a person who wants everyone to be my friend. So in high school, I had two things. I had a collection of real-life people who I didn't actually have an emotional connection to, but let me hang out in their general vicinity. And then I had the internet, where the people who actually liked me lived. And like I said, I went to school in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, next door to the third largest city in the state. And so it's got all the thrills of the rural, fundamentalist Christian South and all the liveliness of a city-sized suburb. The nerd scene was pretty light and mostly neckbeards, and the queer scene was basically non-existent as far as I was concerned, aside from the guy that I accidentally dated. And then the Jewish scene was this strictly regimented set of social and academic traits that my queer, nerdy, badly dressed ass couldn't live up to. So I didn't have a whole lot of options in the peers department. And I was also cut off from the major hobby that 99% of high schoolers are supposedly engaging with, as well as being the plot of most of the coming-of-age media that's supposed to induct us into adulthood, which is the desperate struggle to get laid. Everyone was trying to find a dance partner, except for yours truly, and I couldn't figure out why the entire student body had suddenly lost their minds. At the time, I just thought I was somehow enlightened and possessed of the ability to make rational decisions without going for a joyride on the drama llama, because high school is the worst time for the hormones to kick in. Later in life, I'd learned that the term for my situation was asexual. So I have no desire for sex, no sexual attraction, but was also in no way more sensible than anyone else in my high school. In fact, all of the energy that my colleagues were devoting to their genitals was not dissipated for me, but just redirected towards an endless appetite for sweets, uh, nerdery, and arguing on message boards about character dynamics in the Transformers cartoon. So in retrospect, it's probably just as well I didn't mind being celibate. In my flailing attempts to find a social group outside of LiveJournal, I made the best possible choice for someone trying to avoid drama, sexuality, and rampant clickishness. I joined the theater club. I did like playing pretend and dressing up, a hobby that would labor manifest itself with cosplay and role-playing games, but I was not adept in the theater arts. The only kind of acting I'd mastered was acting out. I had no real interest in music, and I'd blown through tap, ballet, and ice dancing as part of the myriad rotating roster of hobbies my parents threw at me, in the vain hope that I would stop spending all my time on the internet discussing the romance life of giant animated space robots. Given my lack of talent and my lack of being one of the cool kids, I got shunted into being a stagehand. My only relevant skills were showing up on time and not falling off the stage, and even showing up wasn't essential to the show's functioning. I could have probably dropped dead of a heart attack during the first act, and no one would have noticed until the smell got bad enough. My guess is they figured that was the place I could do the least damage. Their mistake. The single play they were foolish enough to involve me in was the importance of being earnest. I genuinely don't remember the plot. To the best of my understanding, it involves some men with British accents who were not named Ernest, but were pretending to be Ernest, for reasons I'm unclear on, or possibly were Ernest, but were pretending not to be, one of those two, or both. I'm not sure if anyone was actually named Ernest, or why they would want to be Ernest, or anyone why anyone thought Ernest was a name to strive for rather than run away from at high speeds. Victorians were weird. I can really only remember one scene vividly. 
somewhere in the play, there's a scene taking place in a parlor. There's a yellow fainting couch, and there's folding screens in the background behind these tables and armchairs. And our cast, which may or may not be earnest, is sitting around in their ties and their billow dresses and their fake high school British accents. And they're sitting around a table pretending to have tea and light banter with each other about the nature of being earnest in the countryside, but someone else in the town. It may have been a metaphor for being gay. At that age, everything was a metaphor for being gay. Still is, but you know. The scene also featured this prominent bunt cake that one of the non-earnests would take a slice from, offer it to someone else, and then put in some witty repartee as creamy topping. After the first night of the play, where I successfully neither died nor fell off the stage, most of the cast gathered in the cafeteria, one room over from the auditorium, to have conversations I wasn't invited to. The rest of them were off engaging in the aforementioned hobby that I was not part of, two of them engaging it in the lighting cage on the upper floor of the theater, but I wouldn't find out about that for a few more weeks. Either way, I had no idea what to do with anybody. I just wandered off backstage so I wouldn't be sitting in the corner staring apathetically at all these people around me who didn't like me very much. And as I was wandering around among all these darkened props, I came across the bunt cake, sitting under its shiny little dish. And if everyone else's raging hormones led them to try to hook up in the lighting cage, mine had led me to the one partner I could be sure would not reject me. See, I'd assumed the food was fair game after the show closed. I didn't realize that cake was supposed to last us the entire run. So now, on top of juggling a quagmire of comical misunderstandings and secret identities, the Ernests had to spend the rest of the production constantly turning the bunt cake to carefully hide that a fist-sized chunk had been taken out of it because the stagehand they were trying to keep out of trouble had eaten a third of a prop. I did try to explain to the director that I thought it was post-show refreshments because I couldn't imagine that a cake would just be abandoned, but they were having none of it. The next time the high school theater department put on a production, they did not ask me back. So my only other avenue for the stage was Junior Congregation's productions over at Heskamuna Synagogue. And at least their Torah portion dramatization productions couldn't kick me out for eating the props, mostly because my dad was on the synagogue board. To the best of my knowledge, there wasn't a lot of hooking up going on at Junior Congregation. Our Hebrew school class had been together since we were fighting over He-Man toys at the Arnstein Jewish Community Center's preschool, and we'd seen far too much of each other to find anything remotely attractive. In addition to ten boys, and yours truly, we had Ellen, who was the perfect nice Jewish girl, and Rachel, who was a perfect Jewish mess. Lovely person, but a mess. I was a magnet for social catastrophes, but Rachel was a magnet for physical ones. And this wasn't a case where we were mistaking a serious problem for klutziness. I was there the day at Camp Ramah where she swung on a shower curtain like Tarzan and broke her leg. Half the B'nai B'rith youth group saw her fall down the stairs at the youth retreat cabin. Fractured her pelvis, falling off a tire swing. She was just a girl who catastrophe was drawn to, through no immense fault of her own. And ironically, last I heard of her, she was going to nursing school. So there are no stagehands for our production of Numbers Chapter 2, so the teachers put me in the next least risky position, God, as depicted by hiding behind one of the two podiums up on the altar and trying to drop my voice down as low as it would go. I sounded like James Earl Jones on a helium bender. With more students than parts, five of the ten boys were left unattended in the corner, Boredom led to them making paperclip chains from supplies they found in a drawer under the podium, and then to the kind of shoving and horseplay that often evolves into toxic masculinity later in life. To this day, the boys refuse to identify how, or by whose hand, the paperclip chain made it into the electrical socket. Joe, the only responsible adult our class managed to turn out, immediately ran for the teacher. The teacher showed up, told us under absolutely no circumstances were we to do literally anything ever, and then left again, not realizing that her absence was part of what caused the electrical hazard in the first place. So here's where I saw my time to shine. I am the child of an engineer, 
albeit a, nu- a nuclear one, so I figured I knew a few things about hazardous application of science. I stepped forward in a bold, leadershipy step and said, we really need to get the paperclip out of the electrical socket or it's going to explode. Now, I had a plan built from gears of point-and-click adventure game logic, involved rubber gloves from the kitchen, makeshift blast shield made out of the top of a rubber-made Tupperware crate, and an impressive amount of teamwork. It was going to be awesome. I was going to get the credit. Unfortunately, Rachel happened. Now, I can follow her logic train through steps one and two. Step one, the paper clip in the electrical socket is dangerous. Step two, the situation would be resolved by removing it from the electrical socket. Where things went horribly awry was Rachel's step three. I personally need to remove it from the electrical socket with nothing but a firm grasp and a strong will. Rachel had apparently been out the day they explained the concept of conductivity in science class because she reached right in there and yanked on the paperclip chain with her bare hands. Or tried, at least. It ended about as well as you would expect. The teacher came back to find us in a scattered, awkward circle around Rachel, who was curled up in a ball around a hand that was burned from the sparks. The paperclip chain was right where we'd left it. She had not moved it at all. And by that point, I was slowly backing away from the situation because I didn't want to be around when Rachel recovered enough to tell them that the voice of God had led her to be hit by lightning. I honestly cannot tell you how they got it out in the end or if my clever plan would have worked because I just walked straight out the door and told my parents they'd canceled rehearsal early that day. It took me a full decade to go back to public performing again. I do stand-up storytelling now. I've tried to at least use the debacles as life lessons to guide how I do shows as an adult, both solo and in group performances. First, don't hook hook up with anyone in the lighting cage. You will get caught and you will get mocked. Second, practice electrical safety, especially around people who slept through large chunks of science class. Thirdly, most importantly, never perform hungry. That was great. That was awesome. I love, Thank you. I love the wraparound of Rachel. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. No. Is she okay? I'm so hopeful she... for your plan. Yeah. I, like, yes, I don't know if they would have actually let me idea. do it, but I was like, I got this, guys. I got this. <laughs> I know how insulation works. Right. Yeah. You had the rubber gloves. You were ready for it. I was there for that, but... So you took a full decade before you performed again? Well, before anyone let me perform again, I guess. <laughs> let you? Really? What does that so you mean? you try? The thing about, like, to get into theater, you have to, like, be able to socialize with the theater club and, like, get them to like you. And I had not mastered that. So I mostly just kind of stuck to the internet. Okay. Um, and then I started getting into the storytelling community in Chicago, and that was just very addictive. I like talking. Very cool. Obviously, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first thing you did after that? After after that incident, the decade later, what, oh, how the first did you kind of story? start getting yeah. back into performing or storytelling? So basically, I accidentally invented the concept of storytelling. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we just all got together and just told stories? And my <laughs> friend who was in the theater scene in Chicago was like, yeah, that's already a thing. <laughs> and he sent me to one of Scott Whitehair's uh, performances. And Scott Whitehair, um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he does a, a number of storytelling shows. He does a number of storytelling classes around Chicago. And he started the Do Not Submit series, yes. which are open mics in different places around the city. And that's where I started doing that. And then I people invited me to do their shows. And then I applied to other shows. And I've just been kind of going to different ones throughout the city. Um, there's uh, one I really like called Sappho Salon, which is for uh, trans women, trans, and non-binary performers. It's like every two months at Women and Children First in Logan Square. So it's like the one I always like plug. I'm just I'm writing that one yeah. down because I'm like always looking for new ones to go to. Oh, yeah, awesome. go to that one. I'm not just saying that because one of the hosts watches my cats when I'm out of town. Aww. Yeah, but it's a very like very like queer friend. It's queer friendly. It's queer Um, and very welcoming place. It's a good place that I feel 
I feel I can like do a lot of my queer material there without worrying like mm-hmm. how much do I have to explain to people, how much yeah. are people are going to really get. Like, like for example, like there's one story where I mentioned the fact that like trans men have like four names ever. Like, like the, I don't know why everyone is so uncreative, but there's like half of them are, like oh. Aiden or Quinn or Noah. <laughs> no offense to any Aiden's, Quinns, or Noahs, but I don't know. <laughs> like, it's like half of them. I, t- I mentioned this like to an like our average audience. They're like, "Oh yes, interesting, very interesting." I mentioned this at Sappho, and the front row just cracked up because it's like <laughs> I think there was at least one Aiden in the audience. <laughs> they looked at each other. They're like, like oh, mm, <laughs> "I feel called out." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Public storytelling is interesting because it's interesting to see what an audience reacts to and how yeah. different audiences react to the same story. I've never done the same story in different audiences which like that would be really interesting because it's all always cool like to see who connects afterwards and Mm -hmm. like who's like oh I really connect to this part of your story or that and I think it's one of the things I love about storytelling like the way it makes these unexpected connections yeah and like when I've mentioned being asexual specifically I've had a number of people come up to me and be like you know oh you know I know someone's asexual or like I'm asexual but I don't talk about very much Mm -hmm. one person asked me it's like how do you make asexual friends? Like, I've never met any. I'm like, and it took me a second. I was like, oh, wait, because I never shut up about it. <laughs> like, how do you find the other asexuals? People By just blaring you. it until they find me. Yeah. That's a good way to yeah. do it. That w- that's when I like talk. I like talking about that a lot because I think it's not a lot of people know it. And of the ones who do know about it, like, it's hard to connect, to find and connect to other people. There's not an asexual community the way there is a gay community or a lesbian community. Yeah. Even though it's something that, like, you really do need a community for because having that solidarity and, like, having that people who are, like, validating your your way of thinking is very useful. Mm-hmm. The only place I found it is Tumblr, which is – it's hard to go out to coffee with a, with a website. Like, yeah. it's, it's hard to – yeah. And it comes with its own problems. Also, they just banned, like, nipples, so I don't know what's going on over yeah, there. Yeah, that whole thing they just did, I do not – Just, like – That was such an overcorrection. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> that's yeah. like that. That's an entire podcast episode. Is Tumblr's shenanigans with like, the nipples? They like ruined a whole entire community. Right. I'm just like almost everybody's like, wait, there's things that aren't porn on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, there goes your your user base, guys. Yeah, right. um, yeah, their view rates are gonna sky. Yeah, all you saw was like screenshots of their ratings on iTunes. It's like mm. one star, one star, one star. Why would you do this? You ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially for queer people. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, of course, because they're, like, it's it's targeting queer people much more. Yeah. And sex workers. And yeah. 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 That's, like, the biggest, like, community on Tumblr, mostly. Like, sex workers use Tumblr to put out their content, and, like, yeah, their content is now, like, non-existent. Basically, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, so I said, like, as I'm, I'm, I am asexual yeah. and, and all of the Tumblr compliant, but, like, I still think, you know, that's bullshit. Yeah. I'm curious. But like, they'll have to, like, drag me off there with, like ropes or something i'm just like the old like like i'm like the old lady when like you know the the flood is coming but i'm sitting there with my shotgun and my dog on my porch like you know <laughs> no sheriff i'm Get not leaving <laughs> it's like i was raised here i've raised my grandkids here i'm gonna stay here but going on the topic of you mentioning tumblr with with asexuality when i like came out mm-hmm. as asexual like tumblr was like the place that i found out about asexuality mm-hmm. and i came out like in high school when like tumblr oh. was still like a bigger thing and like kind of like a baby in the beginning so like that was literally like where where i had that community and where i was able to like build and find people and like find out different facets of asexuality and mm-hmm. like 
be able to understand that there's levels to this. Like, I don't have to fit into this box. Like, there's yeah. actually, like, different types of people who are asexual and don't have to be, like, one type of asexual. So, yeah, like, there's really, there's really there's cool. always, like, the, the gold star asexual, which yeah. is, like, you know... You're celibate, never touch anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's it's the like... same thing in asexual identity, huh? Yeah. Yeah, like, the, I, th- gay, I, th- like I think... Yeah, I think it's like riffing off the concept of the gold star gay. Yeah. Yeah. The gold star ace. It's like, well, I've never had sex with anyone. I'm yeah. like, it's like you're actually such. It's, it's it's not that hard to not have sex with people. Like if that's like you know, I don't know, not skydiving. Like you kind of <laughs> have to go out of your way at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So you know, it's like you don't get points for that guy. <laughs> Come on. I wonder, and like this could actually be for either of you. Do you find that people in the queer community sometimes? just don't get it too like i'd imagine there's plenty of how is that possible and like just, holy fuck they're just I, I, I had someone to like have you like I but have you thought about box. getting oh, yeah <laughs> pandora's box is open but that's important like that's why like stupid questions i've been like this is so important to talk about because people don't people are so fucking rude gay guys are so no offense to any gay guys who are listening mm. like they're so fucking awful in regards of this like when like i haven't been to this like location before but the only time i was when i was was when i was um lobbying for hillary and like helping people like vote for her when i was in iowa and like we um my friend invited me to this lobby with a bunch of like people from association that was like all gay guys and like one lesbian who was my friend and like (laughs) we went and it was really great but when we were coming back we were all drinking it was really cool but like i ended up like sitting in a group with like three other gay guys and mm-hmm. me and we were all talking about um how like you can be gay and be catholic because there's one guy who was there who's like really really gay but also really set in his religion mm-hmm. and i was like yeah you can absolutely do that that's totally fine the other two guys were like you can't do that that's not possible and i'm like that's absolutely possible what do you mean <laughs> and we ended up finding out that we went to the same like high school together which is really really weird oh, wow. but like then i mentioned like Oh yeah. Also, I'm like asexual, and he, they're, they all like looked at me like, "What the fuck is that?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? What's that? Like, this is what it is." It's like, does that mean like you like have sex with yourself? And I'm like, "No, it's not what asexual is." I'm like, yeah. "Yes, but that's none of your business." Oh, <laughs> I'm like, "Not the point." Like, that's not what it is. And they're like, "You can't be asexual. That's not. That's not how that works." And like, literally, they were sitting there invalidating you can't me. Be? You can't be asexual. Like, that's not. Like, that's not a thing. It's and, like, like I they hate were like, when they try and... to like logic you out of it, I'm just like. <laughs> It's like, or like doing like word games or like something like that. I'm like, okay, that's that's nice that you've come to this conclusion, but, but like, no. I'm still here. Yeah, that's right. like, it's like you haven't like, like, like you're not gonna suddenly convince me. Oh wait, no, sex is like no, no. I do want to sex. Like, no, I don't. So awful because I was sitting there like validating this one dude, and that same yeah. dude like looked me in the eye and he was like, that's not a thing. Like. Yeah, you after, actually so aren't. that person who you just like defended. literally him and the oh, other shit. two who like oh, invalidated God. him all invalidated me and i'm just like oh, no. i like get up and remove myself because i was like so upset and yeah. i was drinking we were all drinking but regardless of that like i was just like oh my gosh this is like that was the first time i've ever been like wow. invalidated before That's so, so it really really hurt because i'm just yeah. like I fight for you. How are you going right. to sit here <laughs> and like tell me I don't exist? Yeah. Like and I was already like going bad. through things in regards of like validating myself in my own like sexuality and like mm-hmm. am I enough to be asexual and like having somebody look me in the eye and tell me like you're actually like not enough. You're not anything. Oh, wow. It's just like, oh, like wow. That's super gross. Yeah, it was awful. But I yeah, just that's hate like the like you get weird intrusive questions. Mm. Like Ones that are just like they want to know like your sexual history. They want to know if you've been 
sexually assaulted or abused which mm-hmm. oh holy shit that is not your business yes. right. like don't you don't ask that mm-hmm. questions about but it or like i've asked uh, yeah. yeah yeah it's like and they've asked like you know have you thought about having your hormones checked and i just looked at him and i just went oh with like this big innocent face oh why and he's like uh, uh, mm. uh <laughs> because like to this guy i was talking to, like he could not comprehend the idea of just being okay with it mm-hmm. he was like he could because at the time I was I was presenting as female, and I think he also had to think of like, well, a third of women are, are asexual, and then a third of women just have sex out of convenience, and a third want to have sex. And I was like, maybe just a third Where of women don't want to have sex with Where you. Where is that data coming from? From his ass. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> from his ass, which was also where he was getting his logic his from. His own personal sample. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this, yeah, he, there was a lot going on with this guy. Wow. But it was like... The idea that you're also – he could almost get his head around the idea that I was asexual. He couldn't get his idea, his head around the idea that I was okay with being asexual. Because, like, my one big problem with being asexual is that it's kind of hard to, like, get a relationship going through – because, like, the, the conventional methods, the conventional social situations and strata around that and the fact that 99% of people aren't asexual means it's a lot more of a hassle to get done and – like that it's mostly like i have the problem that not everybody is asexual basically so i'm fine it's everybody else i'm like trying to work with here on that but he just could not understand that i'd be like yeah no this is cool i know i've never done it that's fine no i'm not really no i haven't seen game of thrones either like (laughs) like that's really it it's just like i haven't seen game of thrones i haven't gone skydiving like i don't i'm sure they're fine if you like that kind of thing yeah i'm not into that but yeah. So do you get the intrusive trans and asexual questions? Then? Yep. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, like a little less, a little less now. I, I, it's honestly, I get fewer weird questions about trans because I think people know what trans or think they know. Yeah, what but trans then they is. always still want to ask about like hormones and surgery. Yeah, I asked. I had somebody who I like literally too. did not know the name of. I'd seen him a couple times at different parties, and he was like, "So I was being asked, how's your transition going?" And so I just started. Well, you know, I've moved out of Logan Square a few years ago, and now I'm living up in this neighborhood. And I just went on this long monologue about my transition to another part of town, and he just was staring at me like he didn't know what to object to, even though this was not where he wanted this to go. <laughs> I just kept this going for like a couple of minutes and then left. I love it. Because <laughs> I was just like, all right, look, I will talk for hours about this, but you don't just come out of nowhere and ask me this when I don't know you. And also, I just not like this guy. That's a legit answer, though. Yeah, that's that's Yeah, because I was like, you didn't say transition to what? Right. But it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I I, it. It, is that, it is that thing, like, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, sometimes I pick and choose where I'm out, mm-hmm. which I'm lucky I have that luxury. But it's because, like, when you sort of flag that you're the weird one, that you, like, use the weird pronouns or have the weird gender identity or, like, your gender, your, like, birth certificate and driver's license and bank name don't match, like, your gender and your preferred name, like, you kind of open yourself up to being a curiosity. And sometimes that's nice. Sometimes I want to be educating and helping people. And sometimes it's just, like, really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So... I'm sure you're both familiar with the whole the pronoun circle. Like you go around, do your name and pronoun as like an introduction Mm -hmm. thing. I hate that Mm -hmm. in most circumstances because I don't – I have like this is a complete stranger and there will be a moment where the spotlight is you. Everyone's looking at you and you have to basically decide whether you're going to flag yourself as different or not. Mm -hmm. And this is before you know anything else about anybody else, before anybody else knows anything about you. Mm -hmm. I know some people who find that's comforting because it means they get a chance to really affirm their gender and their pronouns – from word go and don't have to be correcting people again and again and but for me it's very uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah i used to do that when i taught and i went back and forth about whether i should like in those mm-hmm. beginning classes and ended up falling back on 
I would say my pronouns and not prompt anybody else to say theirs. So if people wanted to, they could, but most people didn't. So I didn't yeah. like make it part of the instruction of intros. It was more like, what major are you? What year are you? Why are you taking this class? And then if people wanted to slip in pronouns, they could. So it wasn't so yeah. spotlighty, hopefully. But I know, yeah, that's something that we talk about a lot as professors, too, is like, how do we affirm people who do want to and also respect people who don't want to and that tricky balance? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely, it's difficult to, to figure out, like, how you're going to be affirming of that because i think at least for like for me a lot of people like uh one of the, the, the synagogue i go to um they often have name tags and the name tags have a little slot where it's like put in pronouns mm -hmm. and i was sitting with a group of people who had they them on their pronouns and this i was leading a discussion and this guy comes over and sits down and, and the discussion is about something like you know how do you prepare for the high holidays like something completely unrelated mm -hmm. and the guy's like so i know this isn't relevant to this but what do you think about they them pronouns and i'm like i think we weren't talking about that <laughs> and i like basically just like like talked him down and like just kind of chased him off the table because I was like look jerk I'm not dealing with this but it was basically like he'd sent he'd seen that they were having those and decided that like this that the fact that we were making this public mm -hmm. meant that they was now open for public discussion well that was kind of a dumb question anyways because if you're asking a group of people who mostly have they them on their tag then obviously <laughs> they're pro yeah I don't really it? know where he so was planning what, to go from there everyone to say to that like but we're think, pro okay moving but yeah. i think it was basically he sees it as the same way as somebody wearing a political position button where it's uh, like if i'm wearing a like go bernie 2016 or something like that button people kind of assume that you know you're down to talk about bernie 2016 mm -hmm. and because that why else would you be wearing the button so i think it's the assumption that if like you're being open about your pronouns then similarly you're okay with that being for public discussion mm -hmm. even though for most people it's like I'm just clearing up a misunderstanding I'm very sure you would have otherwise. Right. Yeah. It's a matter of like, like I said, like I, I very much love attention, but I'm also like incredibly socially nervous. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out how to engage like in every given situation is mm -hmm. awkward. I just want to know more about your asexuality and your Jewishness. Uh, my parents are still waiting on the grandkids. Oh, bet. Okay. Yeah. Are you gonna tell them like, that that's... they're not coming anytime soon? Um, okay. <laughs> siblings so when you I pass like, it on all right. To. So when I first came out as lesbian to them, and I think like they they fucking knew, like they they knew they're like something's weird with this kid. <laughs> like I went out to dinner with my parents, and um, my mom just leans in across the table, and was like, "You know, you can still have kids, right?" Oh. And I was like, "Wow, okay, priorities." <laughs> it's like, and now I think they're like they don't care. Like I think like right here the standards are like. They don't care who I date, but it's like, find someone, preferably, but not necessarily Jewish, marry them. Somebody produces a child from their DNA. Somebody in the situation produces a genetic child. And that's like the, the standard there. Mm -hmm. That's it. So it's like they've been lowering their standards for kid, <laughs> but just have something. they've still got, they're still just like, they're just holding out. So you an only can. child? Um, I am not. Oh, oh, you mentioned a sibling in your... I do have a brother. Yeah, um, right. But they're, they're holding out for the one grandkid. Yeah. But, yeah. So that was the weird thing about coming out as trans, because it's like, oh, God, now I have to be weird again. <laughs> like, I already put you through the asexual thing. Aww. Do they know about that? Oh, God, yeah. How, no. do you, how do you explain that to your parents? Loudly. All right. <laughs> I've never, like, I've never really been, like, quiet about oh, anything. Uh-huh. Um, 
<laughs> I'm not I'm not good at keeping personal secret. So yeah, they've been aware of that about as long as I've been aware of that. And my mom's been a little like, mm, you know, sure, whatever. So coming out as trans was awkward because it's like, great, now I have to come out about another weird thing that they might may or may not be taking seriously. Uh. And they're working on it. Like they're do they're doing their they're doing their best on it. So the trans like they're working on the tra- on the the trans thing. I don't know how it would have worked if I'd done it in reverse though. Trans then asexual. Yeah, trans then asexual. Then yeah. What was the amount of time in between yeah. that you told them? For each? Yeah, like, like what age? Like... I think I like started like officially identifying around like 16, 17. Okay, so like around yeah. like late high school, early college wow. would have been around the time when I figured out that was a thing in the first place. Mm-hmm. I always identified like I always knew how I felt, but I didn't really know what the word was for it. Mm-hmm. And then I came out to them as trans, I think I was 28. So about a decade-ish yeah. span in there. So I had a good amount of time to settle into like what does asexual mean and... Yeah, I was, like, always very clear on what I wanted, and now I'm like, okay, here's the word that goes on what I want on that, mm-hmm. but then it was a matter of, like, how do I want the world to see me? Yeah. And, like, you know, people, like, figure this stuff out late in life. It's, like, I know the stereotype is, like, you know, and, and like, you're you're very sad looking in the mirror in high school, and that, for a lot of people, that is their experience, but then for a lot of people, it's like, oh, that's what that thing was. <laughs> that's oh how my, my coming out there is There is so much, like, there is <laughs> like, so much, like, oh, looking damn. back yeah. at, like stuff i did and like realizing oh that's what that was like Mm -hmm. um i mentioned transformers for example like i was just really into the cartoon when i was in high school that was also where i was introduced to the concept of gender as a social construct Mm -hmm. because the fandom is basically like okay well there's like girl transformers Uh but like they don't have there's no literally no junk in the literal trunk like Uh they don't have (laughs) genitals so like what is a gender Uh right like and if they don't have babies then like what is what does that mean? And so there's like a whole lot of like fan discussion of like what is gender in a society with no sex, mm-hmm. like no biological sex. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that would be so cool. Like, I remember like I was like designing a couple of characters and one of them was one who like was a, a triple changer. A transformer turns into multiple things. So they mm-hmm. turn into a plane, a male and a female. Oh, that's kind of And cool. I thought I was very clever. When I invented gender fluidity. <laughs> and then later I was Did like, oh, it. shit, humans can do that? Awesome. Dang. Game changer. Yeah, I was like, oh, man. That, that was, uh, that was. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was an, an interesting way of looking back. Yeah, for sure. So going back on the Tinder part, <laughs> how do you, I mean, like, it says that you said that you mentioned it on your profile, but when you go on dates and, like, do you, like, mention you said you're like out loud as much as possible possible. i'm just like let's just get this out of the way (laughs) save everybody some time because the whole point of being on tinder is like gonna like have like disclaimer Uh and then that'll filter for the people who are okay with that Uh except it doesn't because people don't read on tinder (laughs) in retrospect being asexual on tinder may have not been a good plan i did get like i did date somebody for like a solid like couple of months they care they knew did they like did you like how did you introduce that just loudly say, hey yeah that's what i am yeah they were um they were polyamorous so okay. i was like you're getting you're getting this from like another source mm-hmm. like so that was i think that was kind of how i did I'm like well we'll try this out um then we broke up because it like just personal reasons not because of sexuality or anything like that okay. but i was like okay well maybe if you're like getting your your supply from somebody else that's fine your supply yeah <laughs> sound like drugs <laughs> you're getting your fix, <laughs> Get your fix elsewhere i mean like it, it like, for me, there's also, like, no 
jealousy, I guess, mm-hmm. on the sex thing, because it's like it's not like I'm they're doing something I'd want to be doing myself. Mm-hmm. Is I'm yeah, like, like it's, they're get, going get, to the movies. Yeah, with somebody else. yeah, it's exactly. It's like you're going you're going off to play tennis, and I don't give a shit about tennis. Yeah, that's like I don't care. Yeah, but um so yeah aside from that it was just like i think people just I think people just aren't paying attention to... to what people write in their profiles yeah online dating's weird and annoying <laughs> have you ever um you also mentioned like a sense of community like do mm-hmm. you think that you found that in chicago at all yet like that sense of like asexual community? asexual community i don't know i have found a set like people who i know who are like who are asexual or like gray ace mm-hmm. or like dummy yeah and oddly enough like there's a lot of like asexual bisexual like solidarity kind of stuff going on there yeah i'm not sure exactly how that happened but like I'll, of like if i did like a census of my friends i think there'd be more asexual or bisexual people than like any other gender preference situation mm-hmm. the community i seem to settle in with is like the subset of queer nerds mm-hmm. so it's like you know we share the identity of being queer, but we also share the same level of interest in, like, video games or movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we also have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. I've been to, like, asexual-specific meetups, and they are boring. Because it's like, how do you talk about not? Like, you're talking about a non. Mm-hmm. Like, what, 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 like, you get there, it's like, well, I also don't want things. Now what? <laughs> it was so boring. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea. I've always been worried about that too, like going to meetups, because like I'm in a lot of groups, and like a lot of the groups that I'm in, like always post memes, like are the aloes okay? Like is this like why are allosexuals always talking about sex? And that's all I see. And, or like, cake. Yes, or cake. Yeah, cake and it's sex, like I do sex. like cake, as we have seen. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, way to fulfill a stereotype, me. <laughs> I, I I am absolutely fixated on cake. That is true. <laughs> But, is that a stereotype? Yeah. Yeah. What? I think the joke is it's like that asexual. It's like you see really the like cake, cake, you don't want the cake, but you know that the cake is good, but you don't want the cake. Oh. I I think it's also it's like no thanks, I'd rather have cake. So it's like no thank no yeah. thank you to the sex, yeah. I'd rather have that. So actually, somebody I asked somebody to describe sexual attraction to me because you know I do writing and I want to make sure I'm depicting it properly. Mm. And she just was like, all right, imagine a donut, and it's like in a in a shop and it's sitting behind the glass and you're just looking at the donut and it's beautiful and it's glistening and you're just thinking about it and how good it would feel in your mouth and you just want to taste it and I'm like I want to oh. <laughs> I'm like okay all right I think I yeah well which was like oh okay that I understand the concept of I really want that donut yeah that makes sense yeah just make that a person and yeah. yeah. <laughs> what it's like. Yeah, I'm like, donuts yeah. probably taste better than people. But then you though. don't, yeah, like, then if you don't buy it and then you're thinking about it later and you're like, I should have just got, like, I could translate it into, like, a missed opportunity to maybe, like, try and flirt with someone or, like, talk to someone yeah. and you didn't buy it. You're like, oh, I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have gone in and, like, at least, like, smelled the donut and, like, asked how much it was. Asked how the donut was. As a, as a get the person. donut's number. Right. Like, I want the person's number. I right. want the smell of the person. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can you give me your numbers, please? Yeah. And then, like, you have that regret. It's, it's, like, kind of the closest, like, base, like, hindbrain level lust i guess Mm -hmm. is like the lust for like tasty things because it's like you don't need sugar right but you really want the sugar yeah like you don't need sex to not die yeah Mm -hmm. but i assume you know people want it for reasons i I read a surprisingly large amount of like romance nonsense for somebody who isn't actually getting up to this (laughs) i have to keep checking in with people i'm like is this physically possible (laughs) 
anything specifically. I was like, yeah. do I have the ang- do I have the angles right here? <laughs> and I'm not like a lot of the a lot of the asexuals I know do like write or read or like you know enjoy like romantic or even like sexual like fiction, mm-hmm. which is really interesting yeah. to me. It's like cathartic in a sense. Just yeah, like it's a sort of like, experience um, it, but like, just like yeah. read about it. Yeah, it's like, I mean, like I said, I, I like watch a lot of superhero stuff too. I don't want to go out and punch people. I do. But I want, I mean, <laughs> all right. Certain people, yes. Like, I don't necessarily want to go like live <laughs> Batman's <laughs> life, but like, I want to like watch Batman do Batman's thing. Yeah, but you're not going to go try and like. I don't want to like get dressed all up in black leather and go like beat up mentally ill people in alleyways. It's true. Batman beats up mentally ill people. A lot of his enemies have mental health issues. Oh, I can see that. There, there's, there's some interesting ableism running through the Batman series. But a lot of his heroes are, not the heroes and villains, they're also like dickheads. So like... Yes, to be fair, they are also assholes. I'm like, you're mentally ill, but you're also just an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of opinions on Batman. Same. I also really like Batman. It's like, I, I like well-written Batman, yeah. who's like, other reasons to watch Lego Batman, he addresses his intimacy issues and his, like, emotional disconnectedness. And it's, like, kind of a big fuck you to um, the whole, oh, I am a man who must be alone at all times, <laughs> except when I'm having sex with a woman. <laughs> I feel like that's our homework, to go watch the Lego Batman. Oh, no, that, yeah. Field trip sure. to my yeah. house. No. Right. Um, also watch Gravity Falls, because you have all the DVDs. <laughs> I, yeah, that's... The, the compulsory heterosexual romance in fiction is something I am very frustrated with and something I enjoy watching being subverted. Yeah. It's very annoying when you're like in a movie theater and you're watching a movie and then there's like a plot of romance that didn't need to be there or like a sex scene that didn't yeah. need to be there. It's like, I literally could have gone without... Can just, I just want the edited version to remove this. Or like the part where like it takes over the plot yeah like you see this in a lot of action movies where it's just like i'm sorry didn't were we not saving the world could like, you maybe aw, stop making out for five seconds like things are on fire <laughs> like can we go back to the yeah it's like can we can we stop <laughs> can we go like go to the plot is over here please yeah yeah i think uh, um a lot of this conversation people might like seem like weirded out by it but like i don't think people understand that even though it's like a small percentage, like asexual people are one percent of the population, and one percent of the population is seventy-five like million people. Yeah, like I'm way. also, I also have red hair, and there's a smaller minority of redheads than there are of asexuals. Yeah. But like red hair isn't seen as like weird deviancy. Mm-hmm. It's just rare because it's yeah. visual. Yeah. Like if you could visually it's, see it's how ne- many people yeah. were yeah. asexual, then you'd be like, oh, yeah. Wow. It's it's value yeah. neutral. Also, versus yeah. sex, which has comes with like sex and sexuality and sexual attraction comes with all of these like complications mm-hmm. and baggage mm-hmm. and values and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're not supposed to want sex too much, but you're not supposed to not want sex. And you're supposed to want sex with like the right people, yeah. but like not have sex with them until this point. Mm-hmm. And then this point is very arbitrary and dependent on your like perceived gender and social class and like standing in society and there's like all this like mm-hmm. there's like all of these like really weird rigorous rules on sex that you could never follow anyways yeah and it's so bound to culture they contradict yeah. each other yeah yeah for sure yeah it's like i can't imagine trying to navigate that and have a sexuality at the same time yeah. that's why high school is so confusing <laughs> for me i was just like why are you all cheating on each other <laughs> just have a threesome and get it over with i don't understand like i can understand oh you like this thing and oh sex feels good like i can understand that basic concept but why people were being so complicated about it instead of just like all three of you hook up it's fine it really isn't that complicated like, or like maybe just don't you could just not i can understand you want to but just don't yeah like it 
So like everyone is acting on like drives that I was didn't have, and it was really confusing and kind of isolating. And like yeah, I can imagine, especially during those like puberty years where everyone's hormones are just like going crazy and they only think about sex and that's all yeah. like, they're really focused on. And mm-hmm. it's like as somebody who's also trans and going through what's referred to as like second puberty, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like, oh, thank God I didn't have to deal with this when I was like 15. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you are familiar with like the um, like I say female to male, that's technically not like as accurate as it could be, but like transitioning, mm-hmm. one of the things that some people do is they use testosterone, these hormones. Yeah. And that causes some interesting effects psychologically, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially at first before you're used to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. I was so, I was like worried. I'm like, am I going to not be asexual anymore? No, that's not how that works. <laughs> I, well, I didn't know. I, ha- I had nobody to ask was the thing. Like I knew a lot of transmasculine people, uh, they actually meet in this room um, sometimes. <laughs> I know a lot of transmasculine people, but I didn't know any transmasculine asexuals who had transitioned yeah. medically. So I was like, the one of the things with testosterone is it like apparently like gives your a massive spike to your sex drive. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what happens when you're starting at zero? <laughs> like, where do you go? Yeah. That's a legit question, yeah. right? Because you concerned. don't have those people to like swap stories with and experiences with if... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and I was asexual like, asexual who started tea, and it's like, so did that change anything? Yeah, and I was, because I was also like, I kind of like, this is where my identity is. Like, mm-hmm. this is right. where how I know myself and how I've been presenting myself to the world. I have a t-shirt. Like, do I have to get rid <laughs> yeah. of the t-shirt now? Oh. I was worried. I, I like that t-shirt. t-shirt. Um, so, uh, like, the short answer is no. Turns out that zero multiplied by every anything is still zero. Like, That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, zero times anything is still zero. Yeah, so it's like, did not, basically what was there more so, if something was not there, did not have an increased desire for the thing. But it was like, I I know I'm not the only person who's been kind of concerned about that, because once that's like, that's that's who you are, and you don't want to lose who you are. Right. That's also such a huge debunk for all those assholes who come up to you and ask you if you get your hormones checked. Yeah, I was like, yes, I did get my hormones checked. In fact. What, even now they're on the level of yours, zero. and it turns out I'm still not a douchebag like you. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah, this guy, yeah, man, right. fucking guy. like, I mean, that's more proof than you could ever get. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, that's basically, that that's it. My friend did call me out, though. He was like, I was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling a change. It's like, no, no, I follow you on Tumblr. I've, I've seen a change. Like, wow. <laughs> Rude. All my secrets. You're tracking my, my, <laughs> tracking my, like, dashboard. So there's been, like, shifts on Tumblr that people I, I think I think aware? she's, like, make, she's making fun of, like, what I've been reblogging. I mean, like, visually, I don't think there's any harm in, like, expressing that if it's, like, something you need to, like, get out. But, like, if you don't have a need to express it physically, then, like, whatever. At yeah. That point. Yeah. yeah express like if like if your friend is saying that like oh i follow your tumblr that's definitely a change like maybe there's a change in what you're blogging and like maybe like it's yeah that's what she that's yeah. what she meant like but it's like not a physical like expression of oh that. yeah no i mean I, I i basically mentioned that and just like no no no, i've seen the change in your reblogs and i was like jasmine stop being rude <laughs> <laughs> nice. jasmine is my good friend so hopefully jasmine will not mind me calling her out by name loudly on here <laughs> Hi, Jasmine. Um. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, speaking of friends, like, how did your friends, like, take this? Like, were your friends, like, also speaking to Like, yeah, I, aside from, like, one person who I don't speak to very much, like, everybody was pretty cool with the asexual thing, mostly because they were, like, already 
either familiar with Ace or were already Ace. Mm -hmm. uh, when I came out as trans to most people, a lot. Some people were just not very surprised. <laughs> I think they were like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, everyone's been like pretty respectful about it. It's interesting how a lot of times when I told people, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, my like sister's friend or like my former roommate or like something like that is trans." And like, it's interesting that like I'm not the first trans person that some of my friend that some of the people I know. No, like, and I think that's positive because it means that, like, a I don't have to be emblematic of everything, but also it means that like there's more trans people being more visible in society. Also, I just have a bunch of queer friends, so I think that's also like sampling bias right there. <laughs> but like, you know, trying to get a job, like, I had to do much less explaining than I thought I'd have to. Mm -hmm. um, everyone's just like, oh, name's different, okay. So either they're very incurious, or um, they're just like, okay, yep, I understand what that is. It, it's it's weird when like you come out and you like for you it's a huge deal and for everybody else it's Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> like oh cool. Yeah, and they're like oh yeah later. okay, and I'm just like where's the trumpets? <laughs> like where's my confetti? I know. I was like, <laughs> God, I, I came out. So um, when I came out at work, I first spoke with HR and they're like, do you want us to just send around like a, an, an email about it? I'm like, no, I'd like to do it myself because I'm like I get one chance at this mm -hmm. and I'm a show off. So I was I worked in the marketing department of my organization, and so I had this like little like two minute thing about like well we're going through some rebranding as you know, and we've got some new some new language and terminology that I'd like you to use, and I like built up to it Aww. with like this like marketing patter, and then was like surprise Elliot he him they them, and uh, and I think that actually made it easier for some people because it was like wasn't just like a very solemn thing, it mm -hmm. was joking and yeah. being like hey I'm still the, the weirdo you know. Mm -hmm. That's and I think it made like people it. more comfortable with it, but it was also just like, I get one chance to do this yeah. announcement, you know, and I have been planning this for a year. That could be like a little side business. like you could <laughs> Planning do that. coming out parties. Well, no, like creating a marketing email or like post for trans people, and you could create it for them and be like, here, here's your like whole marketing <laughs> Did you know there. Hallmark's making greeting cards now for I this? I did see that. I, I saw, so I saw like, like little Etsy ones, but apparently Hallmark has them now, and I think that's like, like kind of adorable. Mm -hmm. You should be like... Get a bunch of It's a Boy balloons. Like how parents do like gender reveals. You should be like the manager for the baby who comes out as trans. <laughs> like, I'm going to do your marketing pitch to your parents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> come in and do a whole presentation. Yeah, I was just like, see, that's that's when gender reveal parties are necessary. Exactly. Then you actually have something to party about. <laughs> so now the gender is solidified. Yeah. We gender reveal parties are so weird. They're really Like, weird. the cakes are weird. You're like, there was somebody in, I think, California who, like, caused millions of dollars of fire damage because yes. it was like, they were, he, like, lighting something yeah. for the jar. It was lighting explosives. Like, it wasn't thermite, but it was something similar yeah. to that. And it was supposed to be, like, colored explosives. Yeah. And it was in the Southwest during, like, fire season yeah. when yeah. you do not light shit on fire. And he was a Border Patrol agent just to make it worse. That's awful. I know. I'm just like, there's layers of stupid yep. here. Yeah, that's like, I don't know. People are weird weird about gender. Like, and it's not, it's something that, like, I knew about, but it was not something that I, like, felt as strongly until it started being something that really affected me. Is mm -hmm. just, like, even when people are understanding of, like, transgender or even of, like, something like non-binary gender identities, like, they're just very attached to roles and names and categories. Mm -hmm. And stuff that goes outside that is kind of baffling to them. That drives me crazy. Like when all those things get labeled as like masculine feminine i studied gender expression oh neat so 
that categorization has always really bothered me. And I think that's part of what drives my research because it just is nonsense to me. Like there's no logical reason for it to have to be categorized the way we categorize every single trait and personality and objects and everything. It just, it drives me crazy. It just makes no sense to me. It's illogical. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of times I'm like trying to figure out, I'm like, how am I being read? And it's like, okay, you know, if I dress this way, like, you, you know, I'm wearing like a, a purple shirt with like the like kind of purple diamondy things on it. Like, this is my hello, have I mentioned I'm gay today shirt. <laughs> look at this. But it's like, if you look masculine, but your mannerisms, which many of mine are, are still socialized as female, you pretty much get read as gay. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just like, how, like, and, you know, how, how do how do I... Am I going to be right when I walk like this, when I speak in a certain way, when I stand in a certain way? People, I think, like, they'll make a snap judgment about your gender and just not really assume anything different, mm -hmm. but, like, until, like, you give them a reason to. Mm -hmm. But once they have, then, like, they're reading, like, you know, this is in the concept of a man who's talking this way, sitting this way, acting this way, you know, doing cross-stitch on the train <laughs> this way. I've had a condition of being hit on by gay dudes, and I'm just like, Look, I'm sorry. Whatever it is you want, I don't have it. And if I did have it, you weren't getting it. <laughs> like, All signs are no. I was just like, th there's a number of reasons this is not going to work. Let me in, please, in peace, please. I was just, yeah, I'm like, hmm, I, I don't want to hear about your penis. I don't care. I really don't. <laughs> I was like, if I wanted, if I wanted to hear about your, a penis, I would go on the internet. There are many, there are many, but not Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Tumblr. <laughs> We are pretty much out of time. Do you have anything you want to plug shamelessly, unshamelessly? Um, I think I plug Sappho Salon, uh, my, my, my fave right there. Any ones you do regularly? Sappho's, I do pretty regularly some of the Do Not Submits. Um, Am I Man Enough um, is a good one. It addresses uh, like issues of like toxic masculinity and constructs of masculinity. And it has like, it's not just, it's like, you know, a good blend of genders are actually the people performing. I think those are the ones off the top of my head. Gravity Falls is good for non-queer related reasons. <laughs> cool. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C. and you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to, to you all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. And of course, I was also really, really scared because as a trans man, how on earth was I going to date? Was I going to date and tell people first? Was people going to accept me? I was absolutely terrified of I wanted to be with somebody and I wanted to explore this. But I was also absolutely terrified. And at this point, I was heading towards about five years into transition and... Uh something beautiful started to happen ba da, ba da, ba da, ba da.